0: So what I was asked to come talk to you guys about is difficult airway management, basically advanced airway stuff. This is beyond the endotracheal tube. And to be perfectly honest with you, i got to tell you, I think that the endotracheal tube in the next decade is going to end up in sort of an antique cabinet in you know emergency departments and in medical schools and in anesthesia departments because I think we're way beyond direct laryngoscopy, at least as far as using a laryngoscope that we're used to. I think those of you who have used things like the GlideScope already know it's much easier to do, it's less traumatic, it's better for the patients all the way around. So DL overall I think is something that's going down the pike. We're still teaching most of you how to do it, but it's something that by the time the seniors in our our department are doing airways, we're urging them away from DLs on all their airways to use something else. So and I'll tell you right now in um, sort of the mecca of emergency airway management is Mass General because of Ron Walls et al. And they basically don't let their residents do direct laryngoscopy. They have to intubate people with something other than a a laryngoscope in their department. They're not allowed to. Once they've done their anesthesia rotation, it's done. They don't do them anymore in the emergency department. So the reason is, in the emergency department, you don't get to cancel the case if something like this comes in. If one of these people comes into your emergency department with shortness of breath or laryngeal spasm or something, it is your job to basically get them intubated. No matter, what you, no matter what, you have to. If their face is scarred, if they have a small mouth, if they have Steven Johnson, if they're morbidly obese, if they have a huge thyroid tumor, if they happen to be a, a Sturge-Weber syndrome, these people you have to take care of. Okay, This is your job, and you need to know that no matter what, it is your job to get a tube or something in or near the trachea to get the person oxygenated and ventilated. It is your job. We all will hear of, and God forbid, ever have a, be a participant in an airway death. But the reality is we need to be able to avoid that at all costs and go here. If worse worst comes to worse, you go here. And the reality is that in there, in everybody is a trachea. You just have to get something down there to get oxygen down there. So what we're gonna do is stay away from the basics. We're not gonna talk about DL, we're not gonna talk about that lovely airway that our anesthesia colleagues have, where it's nice and dry, the patient hasn't eaten since midnight. We're not gonna get that kind of person anymore in department. We always get the person that has had the super gordo burrito that's been supersized with extra fries on the side and a huge Diet Coke. they now ERP all over everywhere when they come in and have their arrest. Because nobody has a cardiac arrest or nobody has a trauma without a full stomach. It just is, it's almost like, it's like it's karma for what we do. So we have to be prepared for any and all airway nightmares. You've got to be ready. So your options are out there. You have some sort of things you can do. And definitive airway management is what we want, tube and trachea of some sort. But we often end up having to default to what are considered rescue devices. I'll tell you. These are going away from rescue and are becoming primary airway devices. Again, it's, I'll go through and sort of tell you what's what, but the reality is we're going away from these being as rescue and these are becoming primary devices. What what you're aiming for in life when you go down there and look, whether you're looking directly with a laryngoscope in the mouth that you've lifted and you're looking with your eyes directly at cords or You're using technology to allow you to see cords from a little camera down below. Your goal is to see the glottic opening. The reality is, for us in the emergency department, it is not at all uncommon for what we see to be a grade three or a grade four Cormac-Lahane view, meaning, You lift up, you got your blade down there, you're lifting the best you can. I don't care if it's a a glidescope blade or if it's a a direct laryngoscopic blade. You're down there looking, and you don't get this lovely view up here. I'm gonna see if I can get this thing to work here. This view, this lovely opening here, wouldn't that be nice? You can harpoon that from across the room. You can hand it to your colleague who's standing 10 feet away, and they can get in there. This is better, okay, I can still get this, but you get down to these bottom ones and people start to freak out. I gotta tell you, if you can see epiglottis, so let me tell you. Well, you're right here. You're here. You see this? Is that a good or a bad thing? If the resident says to me, oh, God damn, all I can see is the top of the epiglottis. What's my answer? You good on ya. <laughs> right? Where's the airway? Right 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 it. It. It's right beyond it and just up. If you can see the epiglottis, you have the airway, and there are tools that will get you there. The harder part is where you see nothing. It's just a sea of pink where you see absolutely nothing identifiable. Those are harder, not impossible, those are harder. If you see epiglottis, life is a beautiful thing. You're in great shape. Because there is an $8 device out there called the Bougie. How many of you have used a Bougie to intubate? If you have not, I want your next easy airway that you see in the emergency department here, get your attending to go show you how to use the Bougie because this is an $8 device that our anesthesia colleagues have had curled up in their pockets for decades that hit the emergency medicine airway sort of management scene about 15 years ago, got sort of a resurgence in emergency medicine. These things were originally made of rubber, they could curl up in your pocket. Now they're made of basi- basically plastic or non latex stuff. What these are is they look like a CUDA Foley catheter. Okay, they look like a rigid CUDA. Fo- you know, the end of the CUDA has that little that sticks up like that. that go- Think about it, what you're doing is you have that little angle up. I see epiglottis. I know airway is just beyond and up. If I have a little angle I can slide in there and feed it in there, I can feed a tube over that, and that's the goal of the bougie. Get something into the airway I can slide up that epiglottis and get down into the airway, and then I'll just feed a tube down over. You do it all the time, right? You put something over a wire into a vessel all the time. You're doing the same concept now into the airway. Really, really rare to have complications, although we've had two at Harbor, I'll tell you about, so it does occur. Some of these have gradations. In fact, most of the good ones do, where they actually have gradations that go along the length of this. You'll see there's a mark here. There's a, let me see if we can do this. Ah, there's another mark here. There's a mark here. Those are 10 centimeter gradations, and they're very important because how far down do you put an endotracheal to when you intubate somebody? 23, 24, (laughs) yes. Yeah, If you're really excited. It's it's hubbed to the 30. It's all the way down the right main stem. (laughs) But the reality is, if this thing is 50 centimeters long, which a lot of them are, you've got to be careful, right? Theoretically, you can shove this thing all the way down the right main stem through the lung, and if you really got crazy, you could go nuts with this. So one of the reasons these gradations are important is remember how far a tube usually goes. And I'm going to tell you a trick that will prevent you from ever putting this thing down too far. These are really uh, uh, these are supposed to you know, facilitate blah, blah, blah. The reality is you can use a bougie in virtually anyone you can see the epiglottis. And I highly, highly urge you to use it in the next couple of easy airways for you. The run of the mill, boring, yawn, you know, nursing home patient, easy one, use it. Because part of there's a skill set you have to master. So by the time you do it in the hard patient, you have it down as a routine. So there's lots of you know, ideas of when you should use this. I think you should try it in anybody, especially the easy airways at first. This is usually done when you've done rapid sequence induction. So you've got the patient out, and now you're going to look, and all you see is the top of the epiglottis. And you're having trouble passing the tube. You can't do it. You can't do it. That's perfect. That's the perfect person to grab the bougie. It's a three-step process, totally a piece of cake. You basically are looking down there. You see epiglottis. You take the bougie, you get it slid into the trachea. I'll show you how to do that in a second. Then you pass the endotracheal tube down over the bougie into the airway itself. Then you take out the bougie and you secure the ET2. Three steps, bingo. Piece of cake. Two things are going to screw you up in here. Okay, two things, and I'll walk you through and show you how. So, you put the patient in the sniffing position, okay? Stick them like you normally would to intubate them. Pre-oxygenate them, pre-medicate them. Make sure the bougie, you're holding it so that that little hook is up, okay, is entered. It totally makes sense. You're not going to want to make it go backwards. It's logical, you're going to have the hook up. And then using the laryngoscope, lift those tissues up the best you possibly can. Okay, try to get as much of the soft tissue out of your way. While visualizing either the glottis or the epiglottis, you're going to take the bougie and slide, I'll show you pictures, but you're going to slide it so that the tip of that kind of angle thing, hook, hooks just past and up into the airway itself, so past the epiglottis itself. You're going to watch it pass, okay, you see it go down there, and once it's past the epiglottis, you're going to slip it, or the uh, glottic opening, you're going to slip it down in the midline. When it enters the trachea, what happens, because this thing is really, I should have brought, I have a bag of, Goodies to have you play with I should have brought it what this thing is rigid so when you put it into the trachea what's gonna happen is you're gonna run it along the patient's trachea and you're gonna feel the tracheal rings when, when you go to the emergency department next time you go grab a bougie what I want you to do is take the bougie out of its container take your fingers like this and run it along your fingers in this direction better yet Run it along the colleague's fingers in that direction. So you don't have two sensory inputs. You only have one these fingers. Or a, a trachea. <coughs> or a trachea, exactly. Open wide. Run it along their, t- uh, what you're going to feel is it bumps. They call it clicks. I not know, clicks are something you hear. To me, it's a bump. You feel it bumping along the inside of the trachea itself. Now what I want you to do instead is now take it and instead run it along the inside of somebody's forearm where there's no bumps. You will distinctly feel the difference, smooth, is in the esophagus, bumpy is in the trachea. Bingo, it's magic. And it is, it's one of those things where I'm not sure, if you're not sure, you're not in the trachea. It is just, just—of those of you who've used it, it's totally obvious when the thing is in. <coughs> Excuse me. So here we go. We're actually going to intubate the person here. I've got my laryngoscope down and tucked into the molecula, and all I see is that o- OMG, all I see is that OMG top of the epiglottis. Okay, that's all I can see. I'm good. Right? Somebody resident says that to me. I'm like, bingo! We're we're great. Let's take our bougie. Let's slide the tip of it just past that epiglottis bit that I can see, Mm -hmm. and I know the airway is just distal. So here it is, just distal and anterior. I've got to get this little bit into here. Easy to do. Okay. When again, they call it clicks. I call it bumps. But you run it up and down. You're going to feel it along the whole length of the boot. You're going to feel it. Completely obvious. Once that's done, what you want to do is they say withdraw. Oops, hang on. Oh, I knew I'd do that. Withdraw to 15 centimeters. What I recommend, because what you don't want to do is take this and shove it all the way down through the patient's right instead. Okay, you don't want to do that. What you really want to do is make sure that you're down into the trachea, but not too far. What I recommend you do instead of withdrawing to 15 centimeters is when you grab the bougie, pick it up on the 25 centimeter mark put your fingers on the 25 centimeter spot, so halfway between 10 and 20. That way your fingers can't go too far. You cannot hurt the patient that way. So make a habit when you use the bougie of taking it out of its container, laryngoscope in your left hand, bougie picked up at the 25 centimeter mark in your right hand, you're good to go. Okay, you're set to go. I highly recommend that. What you do then is somebody, while you're looking, I'm looking, I've got my fingers on the 25 centimeter mark, I've got my end of my bougie hanging out here in space. I ask my assistant to please pass the endotracheal tube over the bougie. I don't change my position one bit. I keep my laryngoscope up, I keep my eyes on the prize, and somebody, we call it passing the bougie. Pass the bougie, somebody pass the bougie to me. Somebody has to pass it down over the bougie. Okay, don't look up, don't lift anything, don't drop anything, you have to have an assistant to do this for you. Once it comes into your field of vision, now you can reach up and grab the tube and pass it down. And in the meantime, your assistant is, is stabilizing your bougie up above so it doesn't go down with the tube down into the airway, get on further. If you don't have any clicks or bumps, whatever you want to call them, that means it's not in the trachea. Okay, come on out, try it again, okay, try it again, easy to do. If it's in the right place, make sure that the mistakes that people make, your, your muscle memory says, I put, I put my laryngoscope in, I lift, I look, I put something into the airway and I take my laryngoscope out. That is muscle memory. You have to undo that when it comes to a bougie, because you still need to lift all that tissue out of the way so it doesn't fall down and block your ability to put to actually advance the tube down over the bougie. Make sense? So when you do this, the two steps I want you to remember that are distinctly important in this. One is laryngoscope left hand, pick it up at 25 centimeters in your right hand. The second thing is don't let go of the laryngoscope. Let somebody pass the tube to you, but always maintain laryngoscopy or you will not be able to pass the, pass the tube. It's very frustrating. It all falls down, gets in your way. It's tough. So don't put down the laryngoscope. We have a chief, re- <laughs> our chief residence. Just cannot get past this. Poor guy. And he's always with me. You was know, always like, oh, you're on. I'm going to screw it up. And he does every time. He does every time. At some point, he'll remember. But don't put down the laryngoscope. He's so cute. He's like, oh, he said, I don't do it with anybody else but you. Again, remember, you have to have an assistant with this. You're doing a digger thing. So i got to tell you. Between DL, if that's what you're doing, with a bougie, you're gonna get 99% plus of airways. And actually the data says you're gonna get 99% of airways in the ED. You need to have all this other jazz though for that 1% you won't get. In the emergency department, one in 100 airways is not intubatable in a standard way to intubate. Okay? Particularly in a trauma center. Okay? We have the higher statistics for the more difficult airways. Or if you're like Harbor, where we're a sleep apnea referral center. It is not at all uncommon oh for me to have a 600-pounder in my ER at any point in time, okay? at any point in time. So that you've got to have something as a backup. You must master one extraglottic device, one rigid intubation device, one video device. Okay? Plus DL, plus bougie, you're home free. Okay? You've got to master one in each of those categories. I don't care which one you pick, because where you go is going to have different stuff. So find out, but master at least one in each category so you have options when it comes to these difficult airways. We are the rubber where the rubber meets the road. We're the difficult airway center in the emergency department, so you've got to have this. Let's talk first about extraglottic devices. What these are meant for is the can't ventilate, can't intubate patient, okay? Or can't oxygenate, I can't do any of it. I can't get a tube down, I go to bag them, I can't get them oxygenated. I can't get them ventilated. I need something to go down there and give me some sort of seal where I can actually go ahead and oxygenate and ventilate. I can't get a tube down. I'm having trouble. That's the extraglottic devices. What, they, what extraglottic means is there's nothing going through the glottic opening, but I have something down there that's helping me ventilate the person getting oxygen and ventilation occurring. So these are not protected airways. Right? There's no tube. In fact, to be honest with you, if somebody barfs with one of these things down there, it is the perfect setup to aspirate. And in fact, they can only aspirate with some of these devices. So be careful with these things. They're good, though. They're, they're worth knowing about. The COMBA tube has become sort of quaint. I don't know th- Are they using it in the pre-hospital setting here at all anymore? Yeah, we have. A, are they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've, we're transitioning in LA County to the King LT, which I'll show you. But there's still a few of these out there. They're using these till they're gone. What the COMBA tube is is basically a combination of an endotracheal tube that is side by side glommed together with a blunt-ended tube that has side port ventilation holes here. Okay, and I'm not gonna waste your time because these are not out there very much. The reason they're not being used very much is there are four things that come out of the patient's mouth once you've inserted this thing. There are a couple of pilot balloons, there are a couple of ports to ventilate through, and a lot of times (laughs) it's like, what is this? One of them gets 150 cc's, one of them gets 20 cc's, there's a one, there's a two, there's a blue, there's a white, what do I do with this thing? You know, how do I do this thing? The reality is we will rarely, if ever, be putting these down as emergency physicians. What you will be doing is taking them out, okay? And you can actually do some harm if you take them out incorrectly. What the comma tube has done is when it's down in the patient's, it's just inserted blindly, and it goes down the esophagus. There's a balloon that's distally in the esophagus, and there's a big pharyngeal balloon that's sitting right about here. Now, say I deflate the esophageal balloon first, and the person starts to regurgitate. They can't, the, the vomit can't come out of the mouth. I've got a big old balloon here blocking egress of vomit. But it's a lovely little ricochet surface for it to go down the airway. So when you take the, the combi tube out, you want to leave that esophageal balloon up. You want to deflate the pharyngeal balloon first. And if, you'd li- if you can, you'd like to suction out the stomach through the end of that hole as well. Just basically do things in one, two order, and you won't be, you won't be wrong. They just keep one, two, order for everything you do, and you're fine. And again, I don't really want to spend a lot of time on this, because all you're going to do with combat tubes is take them out. Okay? But just take them out, remembering one balloon comes down first, two balloon comes down second. That's the combat tube. Better yet now is the King LT. And somebody said, OK, fine. You know, the reality is, is, I don't want two pilot balloons and two ports to ventilate through. And it's all just too flippant confusing. Give me one port, give me one pilot balloon. And they made the King LT, and this thing is fantastic. This thing is great. Latex-free, it's it's basically as user-friendly as you can possibly get. What it has is one ventilation port that actually ventilates only through these side holes right here. It has one pilot balloon that will inflate both of these balloons down here. Okay, So it's basically, what you you do is insert this blindly. You blow this thing up till that's firm. means both of these balloons have been inflated. This one's in the esophagus. This one's in the hypopharynx. And I'm going to breathe through those holes. It's sitting in front of the glottic opening. Totally a piece of cake. Different types of these, some you can suction through. I think they make different types so they can mark them. They reuse some of them, some of them you can suction through. The reality is whatever. Just grab one and use it. Yeah? So you said this one is blindly inserted into the trachea? No. I'm sorry. It goes into the mouth, and it usually goes into the esophagus. 99. In fact, that's the other thing about the tube that they found out was there was this theory that if you got lucky, It would go down the trachea, and you could actually use it like an endotracheal tube, but it never happens. And if it does, you go buy a lottery ticket, because the reality is you've just scored. You know, it never happens. So this one basically they said, it doesn't go there anyway. Leave it a blunt-ended device. And it goes down, the the distal tip is in the esophagus. Thank you for correcting me on that. What you do is blindly insert this into the mouth. Sniffing position is optimal, but it doesn't have to be. So you have somebody who's in spinal precautions, fine. Open their mouth, put the thing down the midline. There are different sizes that are worth knowing. If you have a little teeny tiny person you need a three, most adults a four is fine. If it's Shaquille O'Neal, grab a five. Okay, the reality is a four is fine for most adults. Once you've inserted it, you basically insert it until the patient's teeth are at the connector right here. Then you blow up this balloon and once this is blown up, you'll notice this thing comes back out of the mouth a little bit, and it's pretty well seated. You can actually kind of grab it and move the patient around with it. It's pretty well seated. <laughs> you kind of you lift them up. Um, you, then you go ahead and ventilate through the port. And, now, and remember, I am not protecting my airway here one tiny little bit, right? I'm breathing through these holes in the side. This is sitting in the esophagus. That's sitting in the hypopharynx. And if I were to somehow have this get deflated, which is what the problem with the EOA was, and they vomit, it comes up here, bounces off there, and goes right back down the airway. Okay, so that's the problem with those. And these things are great. are you putting in? How much? Bigger? Until it's firm. And there are yeah. little until cards firm. that yeah. come on. There's a, it's sort of like the LMA. You have okay. all these little fancy cards, okay. 25 cc's. It's just like, uh uh-uh, uh, ER doc, until it's firm, until far, I'm it's done. You know, that's, so you don't have to get that fancy. If you right. want to be technical, you can. You don't have to get that fancy. Um, there's also variations on it that you can suction through, which are kind of nice. The LMA is the, the third of these sort of, to be yeah. honest just the two. The King LT is the best, there's also the LMA. This thing, that I met the guy who dev- designed this thing. Um, his name is Alistair Brain. He's a wonderful man. He's from, e- from England. Really, really brilliant guy, incredibly brilliant guy. And he said, well, we intubate all these people. I don't need to intubate a lot of people, especially people in the OR. What I'd like is something that just goes down and gently sits right in front of the glottic opening, and I can go ahead and oxygenate and ventilate. I don't cause any teeth trauma. I don't cause any s- hoarse voices after their surgery. It's a nice, gentle device, and 40% of surgeries in the United States right now are done with an LMA, 40%. So if you want to practice with this, go to your anesthesia department, or go to a friend who is an anesthesiologist, and go, they use this all the time, all the time. This mask, I'm trying to use this thing, I'm not very good at this thing, but this mask basically sits right in front of the glottic opening, and you're ventilating, basically putting an ambu bag or a a ventilator on here, and just ventilating right through there. Piece of cake, really easy. Comes in a huge variety of sizes. And it does make a difference what size you use to get this thing to seat. There's a little card that comes with LMAs. And the reality, in adults three, fours, and five. same thing as the other we were talking about with the King LT. Just know those, you get smaller. You can use these in kids, great in kids, but you've got to pick the right size. It's not gonna seat correctly if you don't. What you do with this thing is you basically lube up the posterior surface of this. You've taken your, your mask itself, this is the pilot balloon, and you partially inflate it. Okay, if you deflate it completely, it gets all wrinkly. Okay, it tends to fold over on itself and then not seat when it's down there distally. Leave it partially inflated. Run it along the patient's hard palate as you push it down as far as it'll go. Okay, it's actually a piece of cake to put the thing in. As far as it'll go, you stick your finger down there until it won't go any further. And what it's doing down here is it's sitting, the distal tip is sitting, oh, okay, I'll get this. The distal tip here is sitting in at the, at the esophage, esophagus opening there. This is sitting in front of the glottis. This is up in the hypopharynx really cool. It's actually very clever. So here it is inserted. You blow up that mask once it's down there so that this seats nice and firmly down here. And you go ahead and ventilate. So you go ahead and attach your Ambu bag or your ventilator, and that's how they're being oxygenated. Now you can also see, if this were used in somebody with a gag reflex, so you've RSI'd somebody, you can't get them intubated. You put this down, phew, you know, they're desaturating, and now they're not, it's yay, we're ventilating, and oops, the sucks wears off, or the rock wears off. And you've got this thing, down there that is a vomit inducing device and where is the vomit gonna go it's gonna come right at the esophagus it's gonna hit this and ricochet right back down there's nowhere else to go so these patients have to be maintained out okay Either paralyzed or completely sedated better yet paralyzed those are the extraglottic devices those are the ones you use in the can't intubate can't oxygenate can't ventilate OMG situation those are the ones you grab but there are better alternatives that actually put tube in trachea which is your goal tube and trachea, protected airway, that's your goal. You have rigid devices, videoscopic devices, flexible devices, and then the ultimate, which is open it up, find the trachea, cut a hole in it, and put a tube in. Okay. But all of those are tube and trachea. Let's talk about the rigid devices that are out there. This is the light. Any of you guys ever used a light? Some people totally hate it. I really like it. I'll tell you why I like it. It is the only device out there that allows you to put a tube in the trachea of someone who can only open their mouth the width of an endotracheal tube. Everything else we need to put down there, you need more space than just the endotracheal tube. You need the glidescope space, you need the DL, you know, you need some more, this lets you put a tube in the trachea with somebody who can only open their mouth the width of an endotracheal tube. So you have a scleroderma patient, or you have somebody with TMJ problems and they can't open their mouth, it's a burn victim, where all they can do is open their mouth a little bit, bingo. This will get you down there. There's a learning curve to this thing, but I really, really like this. Now, the reason that this is sort of special of all the lighted stylets. by the way, what a lighted stylet does is you never see the cords. What you see is a light right here. Okay, you never see the cords. And you use the principle of the fact that the airway is a very anterior structure combined with a lighted stylet that's very rigid, and you can get a tube down there. Okay, and the process makes total sense on how this works. The reason the trach light is my particular favorite is this right here is a little hook that lets you retract the metal stylet back a little bit. And if you've ever used a rigid stylet, one of the problems is that's it's, you think your stylet in in your trays is rigid, this thing is like a rock. And the problem with it is when you're trying to withdraw the stylet, you often withdraw the tube with it. This allows you to pull the stylet back while the tube is still down there, and then remove the device. So your likelihood of extubation is much less. This thing is fantastic. I bought one of these um, about 16 years ago because I had an airway disaster on a moonlighting shift where I was called to the floor of someone who couldn't open her mouth, who was vomiting like crazy, who had a saturation of 60%, and I was supposed to fix it. There was nothing on the floor. There were no paralytic drugs. There were nothing but me and my direct laryngoscope and an endotracheal tube. It was a nightmare. I got her intubated completely blindly. But this is what, what I went to buy afterwards. This, th- I, I tell you, it's just, uh, these are the nightmares that you make you grow gray and old. Um, the This thing right here is the handle. I've had mine for 16 years. It takes three AAA batteries, you just over and over and over again, you side-exit off, you're done. This is the stylet itself. It comes in three sizes, adult, child, and infant. Disposable, okay, toss it. You can reuse them up to 10 times. In my emergency department, I'm reusing nothing. It gets tossed. Um, and then you just need a regular endotracheal tube. You need that. That's all you need to put this thing together. So I've had my handle now for 16 years. Love this thing. Love it, love it, love it. That stylet I mentioned has the the retractable metal piece inside and a regular endotracheal tube is all you need. To put this thing together, the key to this is that this angle is crucial. Remember, your airway is anterior. Think about the difficult DLs you have. It's like, God, I just can't. It's really anterior. I can't get the tube up there. Someone comes up and curves your endotracheal tube like that. It says, now try it. Jam it up there. Now try it. It works, because the airway's interior. This uses that on purpose. So you've set up this whole set system with the stylet in here, the endotracheal tube over it. My handle is here. I'm going to retract this stylet in a second. I'll show you how. And you have to curve this at 90 degrees. A little, more, not, It can't be 85. It can be 90. It can be 95. It can't be 85. Um, the Oh, shoot, where On the stylet itself, oh, I know, here we go. On the stylet, let me show you the picture. Right here, see there's a little mark right there? And right there, and right there. You know what it says there? You have to get it really close, or so if you're old like me, you have to get a little further away. And it says, bend here. You really should say bend here, stupid. This is it, this is the only place you want to bend. When you make your bend, this bend right here, it's very acute angle, and it's right where it says bend here. <laughs> not distal to it, not proximal to it, right where it says bend here. That's important because when the stylet is in pro- properly and the tip has the bright light right at the tip of the stylet of your endotracheal tube, this distance in the adult is perfect distance to angle up and hit the anterior wall of the trachea. Okay, It goes through the glottic opening, goes through the cords and hits the anterior wall of the trachea, crucial. The patient can be in neutral position, it's preferred. What you do with this thing is you basically insert it into the patient's mouth straight back behind the tongue, okay? You're not, you know, scissor, remote. you just get their mouth open enough to slip it down straight back behind the tongue. Once it's passed down, going down through the patient's mouth behind the tongue, what you do then is you rock it straight up. And you're literally holding it like a cup of tea. You're not grabbing it like a laryngoscope you must it has strangled that thing to death. You're holding it like a cup of tea because all you're doing is gently rocking it behind the tongue and allowing that light, to—or to, the tube, to pass through the glottic opening and that bright light will sit right there. It sits right in, the glob- right in front of the um, cricothyroid membrane. What you're going to look for is a bright spot of, of red light. It'll show up there. It actually shows up very brightly. This is a mannequin that doesn't show through anything. Once you've seen that, you're going to pull back this little stylet right here. Again, what that's doing down here is allowing this distal tip to become more flexible. Then you advance the tube a little bit, pull out your actual trach light itself, and ventilate. It takes 15 seconds. Has a built-in little delay that makes the light flash at 30 seconds. When you get good at this, that, the trach light's down on the bed before it even starts flashing. You're done. You've got the patient ventilated, intubated. It's fantastic. Let me show you, if I can get this to work, a video, hopefully. I'm going to demonstrate how to perform the oral tracheal channel like intubation. After putting the patient in the with full muscle relaxation, you put the patient in the usual intubation positions. Then you open the patient's mouth, use the left hand to provide a powerful strong flush. It's helpful to grab the tongue and lift and it you up so you're Use the other tongue. hand to put in the chant You need to put it in drinks directly, directly or one When rock the tip is pointing anteriorly, you. you switch on the chant line and not hold the glow. You try to put the glow at the center, like this. If That's you can what it put the glow at like in the, the, the center, line. then you can advance the chant until the tip or the glow. It's so that, the viral is really that means you're now inside patient check care. You're, you're in the treatment, you're at three points, you see that, the distal tip the And then you put the whole thing in until the he distal He's played back the wire, he's inserted the last, it a little further, now he's going to pull out the stylet. The patient's intubator take takes about it takes in one piece. And now you can inflate the- If it's in the esophagus, what you're going to see are one of two things. You're either going to see the light off to the side, or you're going to see a diffuse glow laterally. You're not going to see anything medially. Now, what's also cool about this, say your patient just vomited that lovely super gordo burrito and the supersized fries. This light doesn't care if there's goombas down there. It's a nice bright light. It's already wormed its way through all the crud. And the light is still bright right (coughs) in the midline. So blood, vomit, you can still use this thing through that. So it's kind of handy in that regard as well. So keep this in mind if you happen to have that person. We had a guy the other day with two yankars in, or two, two suction without the anchors and the big tubes, and we still couldn't suck, God only knows what he ate. It was like everything in Southern California came out of this guy's stomach. We couldn't get it out of there. We just couldn't. So our options were either this or doing a digital intubation, a tactile intubation. We ended up doing it with this. So this goes right through blood, right through vomit. Yeah. Like super fat neck? Good question. So the two times where it's a little harder to see, it's not that bright, are somebody who's heavy set, or somebody with very, very dark skin, um, sort of. Africa African very dark 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 skin. But even then, you'll still see a glow in mid in the midline. It's not on the sides. So even then you can still do it. Um, so this is worth practice. This takes practice though. Yeah. How hard is it if it's at a 90-degree angle to pull the stylet back? It is. So what you have to do, what, so you've seen the bright light here, you hang on at the patient's mouth. So your so your endotracheal tube, you hang on here. So it can't the tube can't come back at you. While well, you pull your wire back a little bit, you'll feel it. Try to come out, it can't then advance it a bit more, then pull the whole thing out. So your key though is to hang on to it. Once that bright light is there, you're through. Hang on to it down at the patient's mouth so it can't warm its way back out at you. All right, that is the bright light. Oops, let's go on here. There we go. This is the poor man's McGrath GlideScope, blah, 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 blah. This thing rocks. This is at the ASAP, they actually had more of these out at ASAP this year at the Scientific Assembly. This thing is called the Air Track. This is a disposable direct videoscopic device, and it's based on the principles. That I'm old enough that we used to have these little things where you could look over the fence or around corners because it was all based on mirrors. You know, you look here in the mirrors, 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 and you could look around the corner over there. That's exactly what this thing's doing. It's based on a mirrors principle. It allows you to look through the top and see the cords through the bottom. Okay, it is awesome. Disposable, costs 75 bucks, you can toss this baby when you're done. It also allows you to put a tube right into the trachea. So what this is, is it has an eyepiece proximally, an on-off switch, a track for the AT tube to go through, and then the distal lens and light source. That's it, okay, that's it. Battery powered, lasts about 10 minutes with, the vet, with it on all the time, then you toss the baby, it's great. You slide the endotracheal tube, well lubed, down this track itself, and it only goes as far as getting it to the tip but not past the tip because you're looking right here. Even though your eyeballs are up there, you're seeing right there. So if your endotracheal tube goes too far, it's gonna block your field of vision. You'll see, you'll look at the top, you'll push the tube down, it's like, ooh, it's in my way, back it up a little, bingo. See the tip of it, you're home free. This thing is great. You insert this directly into the patient's mouth in the midline when the patient is in neutral position, which is great in trauma patients. It absolutely is fantastic. Once it's behind the patient's tongue, all you do is lift it, take a peek in that eyepiece, and what you're going to see is the glottic opening. Ta-da-da-da! This beautiful glottic opening down there saying, Please feed a tube down me. And all you do is take your endotracheal tube that's already well lubed in that track and aiming for those cords and slide it in. It's actually no, remarkable. No stylet. No stylet. Nope, don't need it because this thing is rigid enough itself, you don't need a stylet at all. So this is what it looks like when it's down there. You slid your tube through. Here's a video. Show you what this thing looks like. Think of it. Got it going. Yes. Is it moving? Do a little thing. Yeah. So, this is what it looks like. You can attach a um, camera to the proximal end, of which is what they're doing, so they can see it down there. In the An intubation corner. using the camera. On the lower, the inside images. The air track is slowly inserted with the tip in the vellacular. It's twisted to center the vocal cords. The tube hits the epiglottis. It's withdrawn, and then the air track is twisted and lifted to obtain a full view of the glottis. Then the tube is advanced by pushing. The patient's blood pressure and heart rate remain constant. Click it off. So what you notice he just did is he also clicked it out proximally. You can insert it just a little bit further and then pull the rest of it out. This thing is amazing. Cheap, easy, toss it. Wonderful. If you work at a place like mine where we have no money and everything tends to walk, even if we have stuff, this is great. This thing is fantastic here. So those are ways to videoscopically get something down the patient's airway from a rigid device. There's other things as well. This actually can get a tube down. So Alistair Brain, actually it's not Alistair Brain, an emergency physician took the original LMA. You know, the original LMA has these little flanges across the opening you ventilate through. It has these little little plastic things. And an ER doc said, wait a second, if I've got this thing sitting down there in front of the glottic opening with this big ventilation Tube, I'm like, why can't I stick an endotracheal tube through it, stick it down into the patient's airway, and then pull this thing out and get a definitive airway. So that emergency physician cut those two little pieces of plastic, shoved an endotracheal tube down it, pulled the LMA out, and had the patient intubated. Well, Alistair Brain said, oh, no, no, no. We can't have that. I need to create my own. So he created an intubating LMA. You guys have this. Okay, I understand that Mark said you guys have this in your kit. The thing that's kind of cool about the intubating LMA, we actually have them as well, but we, uh, we bought three. They're $400 a piece. And the first time we used the first one, it was gone forever, 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 forever. What they've done since is come up with these. Okay, these are intubating LMAs that are disposable. So there, you stealing nasty people that what sell my I intubating LMA on sure. eBay. So there, I can Once actually I have one I want that's I to remind everyone that we are testing the fire life safety system of during course. this last test. Please disregard any audible or visuals deck. during the test. Disregard the screaming Once people. Disregard in. the <laughs> smoke <laughs> billowing through the room. or visuals during this last test. <laughs> All, All right, right. intimidating LMA. Well, you guys have it, so I'm not going to walk you through the steps. It's kind of complicated, but just know that that thing is great. I'll tell you what's cool also about the intimidating LMA. Is that if you have one of these? Say you're having trouble using a regular element; it's kind of floppy. They're kind of a pain in the neck, to be honest with you. These two, instead, use this as your as your temporary device. I can't intubate the person. I need to oxygenate and ventilate because they're desatting. Slip one of those in there. Bag them up. Bingo. Okay, now we got lots of time. Can we intubate through it? Sure. You can actually even put a bougie through here. Leave the bougie down there. Take this thing out and then intubate over the bougie. You can get lots of. Cl- you can put a fiber optic through there. Intubate over a fiber optic through this thing. So there's lots of ways to do this. It's actually, this is a great time buying device. And I like the shape of these better as far as intubate or um, putting them down in the emergency department. Now I'll talk a little bit about the video intubation devices that are getting the more pricey range. Up here, the lighted stylet, the trach light will cost you about $400 to get the whole thing set up. The intubating LMA, if you get all three sizes, is going to cost you $1,200. If you use the fancy schmancy endotracheal tubes that come with it, those are $100 a pop. Getting expensive. We now go up an order of magnitude in this next set of stuff. The GlideScopes, the CMAX, and the Graphs, the Pentax, these are getting into big bucks. Okay? They require some maintenance. They require people to be careful with them. They're not disposable. But these things are great, and they completely changed how we intubate. Because what's happening is no longer are my eyes having to look down at the patient's cords. My little camera down here is looking at the patient's cords, and I'm looking at a screen. And for those of you who are weaned on video games, this is like, yeah, I've been doing this my whole life. This is what you do. Okay, you have a hand-eye coordination that says, it's on the screen there, I don't care what my hands are doing over here. You do it with ultrasound all the time, same kind of concept. What the GlideScope allows you to do is to basically, with that camera down there, look at the cords on a screen and get the patient intubated without ever having to look directly at the cords themselves. This is what the vision looks like. I put my, I'll tell you some pitfalls to it as well, but this, on the top left picture up here, this is what I'm aiming for. I'm going to watch my tube go down, go through the cords, and I'm done. And that's all it takes, really. The GlideScope has several variations that are out there. This is the original version of the GlideScope, which we drowned ours in about three weeks. This thing has to be cleaned in between patients because it's actually the true blade itself that goes into the patient's mouth. So it has to be cleaned. If this port isn't closed, you can drown it. We killed ours in a week. Like gone, it was done, broke it, dead. What's better yet is to have. Come on, advance. Oops. Uh oh. It just died. What's better yet is to have the something like the cobalt. Why did it do that? I'll, I'll let you work on that one. <laughs> Technology. What, what they decided to do with the Glidescope oh, is go. to say, let's not have one that's a rigid thing we have to redo. Let's take that light inside and make a little wand. Out of that video, like, let's take that little video's camera. Let's put it on a little flexible wand, and instead, let's get a plastic cover that we can put over it instead. Let's see this one. How do I get it to do the screen show? Oh, it's on the screen. Okay, so there we go. Okay. It, the pointer needs to be in here. If you click, to advance oh, yeah. to the next slide. May okay. attention, please. May okay. attention, please. Once again, sorry, guys. Just wanted to let everyone know that we are. Done testing. <laughs> Thank the fire you. Okay. Glidescopes come in the Ranger, which this thing, if you've ever done anything out in the field, Glidescope Rangers now are on all, all of our, our military things in Iraq and Afghanistan. It's about this big. This thing wraps around and tucks in there, and it teaches you how to use it. Ron Wall's voice comes out of this thing telling you the four steps to using the, the GlideScope Ranger, it teaches you how to use it. It's awesome. This thing absolutely rocks. And this is what we have at Harbor.
1: This is actually the,
0: This is a plastic sleeve that goes over this video wand right here. And think about our patient population. Plastic sleeves, toss it, great idea, right? Great idea. This thing gets wiped down with side X in between, you're done. This thing is fantastic. It's absolutely great. The key to the GlideScope is you are used to using a laryngoscope, right? You're used to slipping it in the patient's mouth and lifting, different, different deal with a GlideScope. This is, doesn't come in the side of the patient's mouth. This actually goes right down the center of the patient's mouth. And if you look at the GlideScope itself, this, whose um, laryngoscope blade looks like that? Nobody's. It has a 60 degree angle here because what it's doing is using the anterior airway idea and saying, I want to look right at it. Well, that's all well and good. But you've got to then get the tube to what you see. It comes with its own stylet that has that curve in it, that really, really anterior curve. If you don't have these stylets, make your own. Get a regular endotracheal t- a tube stylet out and curve it so it matches the curve of the glidescope. These lasted in our department about a week and a half. They're all gone. We had 10, they're gone. But, so what we do now is you just use a regular you know, stylet. You don't have to have a fancy-schmancy stylet, but you have to have the curve. Okay, it's got to be anteriorly curved. Four-step procedure if you were to listen to Ron Walls on that GlideScope Ranger, it would say, insert the GlideScope in the middle of the patient's mouth, don't look at the screen, watch the GlideScope go in behind the patient's tongue. Step two, now look at the screen and center the glottic opening in the center of your screen. Step three, look away from the screen, look back at the patient, watch the endotracheal tube slide back behind the patient's tongue. Step four now go back to your screen and watch the tube go through the patient's cords. If you don't do that, you're gonna do several things that will hurt yourself. One, what you're gonna do is stop with your blade pointing to the patient's right foot. You're not gonna be in the center of the patient's mouth. If you don't center it on the patient, the screen, you're not gonna have enough room to maneuver your tube. If you don't put the tube watching it go in the midline back behind the patient's tongue, you're not gonna have the tube where it needs to go. So you have to do all those steps in order, and you have to control yourself and look at the patient, then the screen, then the patient, than the screen, you're home free. Okay, that is really really key. So here's a video of what it looks like putting down the, the GlideScope itself. So and if you this is, if you're watching the screen and somebody's flipping it around, that's what it looks like. It kind of goes all over the place. You're watching. You do watch, you know, look at your colleagues. So it slides in back behind the patient's tongue, and you want that glottic opening right in the middle of your screen. This patient's obviously not doing well. Those cords aren't moving, so the patient's not doing so great and now the tube actually comes in. You're, watching, you're looking at the tube going in the mouth. Now you go back to your screen, and you watch the tube go through the cords. Okay, glidescopes rock. Okay, they are fantastic. They work beautifully. Now, what somebody said was, wait a second, 60-degree angle. I've got this Try. I've got a it it. what is the deal? I want something that looks just like what I'm used to using. I want a direct laryngoscope blade. I want what I'm used to. So what the CMAC people did, which is the Storz people, is they said, fine. They took a regular laryngoscope curved Mac blade, that same curve you're used to always using, and they turned it into a videoscope. They put a video camera on the end of it. It's what you're used to using. No special angles, nothing. And what's nice about this thing is your endotracheal tube uses a regular old stylet, same curve as you're used to. Okay, you curve it just like the blade, same curve as you're used to. And it inserts right down the middle. So this thing looks just like every other DL MAP you've ever used. Okay, you insert it till it gets in the midline, till your picture is beautiful, and then you can take your endotracheal tube. It's kind of counterintuitive. Oops, hang on. <laughs> counterintuitive because what you're doing with this is you take this and you slide it right down the middle. And it's everything you were told not to do when you were learning DL, right? Don't go down the middle; you'll block your view. Well, now my view is already down there. I can already, it's already there. It's on my screen, so I can on purpose slide my endotracheal tube right down the middle. Bingo goes home, home free. They just came out with a disposable version of this. So the only problem with the C-Mac is they are about eight years behind GlideScope. As far as being out there, GlideScope dominates the market. But know that this is out there as well. The other two devices that rock, one is called the McGrath VideoScope, and what they've done is take that little screen that's out here and put it actually on the handle. Okay, so now I've got this, and I can actually see right here, right on the handle. And better yet, what they've done is they've taken the Pentax. The Pentax, our anesthesia department has. What's cool about this thing is that this screen, you can flip up if you're tall, you're short, if you're having trouble angling. Basically, if you think about that, air, that um, air track we used where we had that little plastic disposable thing, it looks just like it down here, right? But what I have up here is a little screen and it's all self-contained. Thing's fantastic, okay? Expensive, but fantastic. So that's the Pentax Airway Scope. That's probably the mother of all scopes at this point in time. There are flexible fiber optic intubation devices as well. I know you guys have them. They have a huge learning curve. They are easy to break. And if you don't use a bite block, say goodbye to an $8,000 piece of equipment if the patient bites right through it. (coughs) Worth knowing how to use, particularly for upper airway stuff, not as easy to intubate over. So it's worth knowing about, but depending on your program and what you do, and I'll tell you in the real world, most of us don't do this, the fiber, the flexible. You can, but most of us don't. Last thing I wanna focus on briefly is the the surgical airway stuff. Most of us know about surgical crikes, and I'll tell you, when I was a resident, I will not even tell you how many years ago, we all did about eight to 10 crikes during our residency, each of us, in a program of 13. These awesome. days, because of all the stuff we just talked about, these are rare. Like, yeah, the buzz goes through the whole residency when somebody does a crike, it's like, woo, you know, somebody did one, woo, woo, cool, wow, great. It's usually somebody who's dead. It's usually because they're rigor mortis and can't open anything, you know. This, we rarely, if ever, do these anymore. Know, though, that it is, it is the absolute, if you are willing to pick up a laryngoscope, you darn well better be willing to pick up a blade. Okay, and this is, what we teach the anesthesia people in the airway course that that I've gotten involved in, we have a whole separate course we teach anesthesia folks. And they are terrified of anything sharp. So they they are terrified of picking up, and I don't blame them, I mean, they don't do that. They just don't do that. But the reality is there is a trachea there, you can put a tube in it, you just have to go this way sometimes. And it's rare, but you may have to do it. The typical surgical cric is the open cricothyrotomy. It involves an incision and opening and dilators, et cetera, et cetera, and I'm not gonna drag you through it, that's kind of a separate talk. But the reality is most of you, when you graduate, will never do this. I have a colleague who did his first crike after residency 23 years after graduation. 23 years. A little nerve-wracking to not have cut somebody's neck for 23 years. What would be kind of nicer is maybe can we put a tube in there doing something that we're more comfortable with and used to doing, like the Melker kit. You guys have the Melker kit. This basically uses the Seldinger technique Needle goes in, you aspirate air. Wire goes through the needle, you take the needle out, leave the wire in. You make a little cut in the skin, you insert a dilator in a tube, and you pull the wire and the dilator out. You've done it a million times with a central line. You're just doing it now into the trachea. It's something you're very comfortable with. There are various kits out there. I'll tell you the coolest kit out there, though. Well, this is the technique, again, you've all done this, so I won't drag you through it. Wire through, etc. dilator, but this <coughs> kit takes both options in the same kit. We've transitioned from our Melker kit on our our airway cart to the universal kit. What it allows me to do is put a cuffed tube in, which is nice. I can either do it percutaneously, or excuse me, open, there's my dilator and my hook, or percutaneously. The same kit allows both. Now, the only thing this kit doesn't have that we need, at least in our institution when we do this, is retractors. the, the trachea is often there, somewhere down in the pit of adipose tissue. There is a trachea down there. So you may need to grab something to retract, depending how deep the tissue is. But in most patients, you have the option with this. If you're by yourself 23 years from now, doing your first crike on a shift, and you're comfortable with doing it percutaneously, have at it. Okay, have at it. Data is pretty good for both. So the bottom line. So say you go out and work somewhere that doesn't have any money, or you have tons of money. Let's say you go back and you work at, oh, I'll throw, I won't throw any names, but there's some Orange County hospitals that are very well accoutred. You, you can have whatever you want. Get a bougie, get an intubating LMA, get a C-Mac, get the Pentax, get a flexible scope, get all this jazz. And especially if you have staff to take care of it, have at it. Wonderful. If you don't, if you work someplace like mine or you go to the Indian Health Service or someplace, you can, for about $1,000, get a very nice set of options as far as intubating somebody. So you don't have to spend 25 You can spend $1,000 and still get the same stuff. Again an extraglottic device, a videoscopic device of some sort, whatever you want to use, Uh, a trach light is nice to have in case they can't open their mouth, and something surgical. Done. Okay. Know that those are the options. I appreciate your attention, despite the fire alarm. Any questions? (laughs)